0: Okay, and we are live. Thank you for tuning in to the World on My Plate podcast, the Wompcast. Today, we have many, many interesting topics in store for you audience, whether you are someone tuning in um, who is, you know, a real audience or me and my guest from 20 years into the future. I hope you can uh, pick up some interesting insights and or reflect on how stupid your self from 20 years ago was. Okay, so we have a guest today!
1: Hello, hello! <laughs> wow! Shannon
0: Kao! We'll begin with a uh, reciting of her LinkedIn profile.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For, for the record, I'd like to set it straight, I haven't seen this in a while. <laughs>
0: You wrote it, it's your creation.
1: I wrote it, I did, like a year ago.
0: <laughs> yeah, so Shannon Cao is a different Shannon Cao now, but this is Shannon Cao mm-hmm. from a year ago describing herself. Hi, I am a business and computer science student based in Vancouver, BC. As your classic multi-hyphenate, I am determined to hybridize the business and technology industries and in the promotion of social entrepreneurship my experiences in project management, content production, and media strategizing cultivated an aptitude for digital and interactive designs. Through leading (laughs) nonprofit initiatives and forming interpersonal relationships, I strive to create accessible and tailored solutions through design thinking. Huh, design thinking. (laughs) So let me just describe um, a, the story of Shannon and I's relationship. So, we met. Uh, I we met on the first day of my high school day. Wait, first day of when I started high school, mm-hmm. um, which is in grade nine. I was introduced to you by we'll call him Little Hype Beast because those are his most prominent <laughs> traits. And instantly, I was like, "Wow, this person is so cool." And um, I didn't. I don't think we really interacted. We always said hi to each other in the halls. I always had deep respect for you, though, um, because I would hear a lot of great things about you, and I would witness you do all these leadership things. I'm like, wow, how amazing! And I think our first real interaction was probably in grade ten when you started that owl. Uh, cult?
1: I am so glad you brought this up. So <laughs> I actually have it on hand. I yeah. Will... If we oh my god. Call...
0: You seriously prepared that? Your phone was open too. Did you know that I was going to bring it up?
1: I I did. Um, <laughs> and I thought well it didn't take me long to find it because I always have it on standby um, <laughs> but it was such a funny image and I remember you reaching out to me and asking me if I could put flags on it, so I also have that one.
0: Communist flags. Communist I was a, flags. Yeah, I was a Marxist in grade ten. Okay,
1: but no one had that later.
0: <laughs> okay,
1: yeah,
0: I have my list of accolades in terms of my political affiliations it stretches far and wide, mm-hmm. so. We first started interacting because of your owl cult. I was one of your first founding members. Okay. I was a strong believer in the owl sitting owl doctrine.
1: <laughs> it it really was cross-legged. Sh- it was so funny. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I I really enjoyed it. And um, fast forward to grade. 11 where we were both in the senior basketball team together Mm -hmm. one interesting thing about shannon actually she is a multi-hyphenate as she described (laughs) herself model basketball player who is in business and comp sci Mm i think that's We'll get into that later, but I always found that very interesting because we were we are very similar in that way. Um, actually, you you may not know this about me, but I started out as a very artistic person. I did singing, acting, and um, uh, wait, hold on, I did one more thing. Did singing, acting, acting. Jesus Christ, I don't remember. Anyways, I did three things. Huh? I, I did play piano, but I didn't pursue oh. it as much as I did the other three. Jesus Christ, I... Oh, I was a dancer. Oh, uh, wow. Yeah. I didn't know that. That's <laughs> awesome. So, we, we have very eclectic interest, and I love to talk to you about it. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so, we were in the basketball team together. And she is the boss mob of the basketball team. Oh. (laughs) Yeah. You were the supreme leader of the basketball team. And fast forward to the summer, we worked on Sparkathon together. Uh, You did media for us. And it was such a meaningful and enjoyable process working for you. And from my experience uh, working with you and um, interacting with you, I have derived three things um that i admire deeply about you one is we talked about one of them yesterday mm-hmm. during the planning but there's two more so <laughs> uh one is your self respect um which is i remember there's one instance when we were working on sparkathon together and there's there was a miscommunication about what our role entails and our authoritative uh jurisdictions mm-hmm. and um so basically you work under someone else right and i don't have director or over you i can't really tell you what to do outside of meetings so i was communicating through whoever was in charge of you mm-hmm. and 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 neither of you really no no sorry uh, you weren't uh like, you didn't know that there was this thing. And you texted me this long message about how you won't put up with this. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> this display of authority and not a willingness to not put up with bullshit I really appreciate it you identified a problem even though um objectively speaking to other people it may not have been a very big problem but you didn't you said no you cut off the problem when it began to emerge um although it was a miscommunication miscommunication.
1: yeah I think there was more of a miscommunication for sure but yeah I totally forgot about that actually (laughs) now that I (laughs) brought it up um Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it was just like, things were like, I didn't know how everything was run. So it kind of put me off that um, like different people were telling me different things. But yeah, wow, I forgot about that.
0: (laughs) I I appreciated that confrontation because I did learn a lot from it. And Sparkathon was a very, very meaningful intrinsically Uh, experience for me personally. I was able to develop a lot as a leader. It was the first time when I took up a very large leadership role. I never knew that I was capable of being a leader. I always saw myself as an intellectual outcast who would throw like sticks and stones at everybody on on every (laughs) side. Um, So it was uh, I forced myself to rise up to the occasion and I hope I did a satisfactory job.
1: Oh, no, absolutely. You did a great job. And I think it was, it, gave, it definitely gave me something to do during quarantine. And I think I learned so much from that, like, couple of months where we would just, it was, it, it was in- interesting. I think we had a team of people that, um, it, it bled from, like, between, like, professionalism to also, like, deep life talks. <laughs> and we had, like, such a good um mix of people and so i actually learned a lot while i was on that team and a lot of it was thanks to you
0: thank you let me play a sound bite
1: oh my gosh thank you, sound
0: <laughs> hold on i don't know how to pause it i don't know how to stop oh it gosh. we'll just have to let it play out this is
1: so professional
0: i'm gonna move on I gonna... okay okay now it's over i have to play another one to stop the one before i have so many sound bites from trump now that he's off the political scene we can just appreciate him as a comedian because honestly he's quite funny (laughs) (laughs) anyway sorry okay we'll continue um the second one is your leadership she has a very stabilizing aura shannon has the best leadership style i've seen from people from our age and below she's able to command so much authority and competence at the same time which is very hard to find so when people follow you and listen to you it is not because they're afraid of you and they worry for the consequence but because they genuinely think that you have the their best interest in (laughs) mind
1: so i'm like blushing over audio
0: Oh.
1: It makes me so happy.
0: Oh my goodness! (laughs) That's so cute. Okay, I'll stop. This is so fun. Um, and... Okay, I'm blushing now, you're blushing. And, okay, so, um, you were always just a pillar of stability in every, uh, like, organization group that you worked for, from what I've seen working with you in basketball. And, um, and Sparkathon, and I, I, deeply appreciated your presence. It was you, you had such composure, and you were very calm and analytical. Peter would always say, "Peter's our mentor." But I'll say, uh, "Shannon has a best profound thought to speech ratio." So every time you spoke, you have more profound insight <laughs> than all of us.
1: Wow, I'm glad it came off like that. Um, <laughs> that's amazing, actually.
0: Yeah, and. And also, you you are very competent. You learn so quickly. I mean, Shannon. During our meetings, she would just get all her work done during the meetings. We'll delegate her a task, and at the end of the meeting, she'd be like, "Oh, by the way, I'm
1: done." <laughs> right. It's multi multitasking.
0: <laughs> yeah. I always heard from other people that you're such a systematic person, and the way that you categorize knowledge is very interesting. And we don't need to talk about your study notes during this podcast. I don't know if. I don't know how we would do that through audio. You yeah.
1: know. So well, yeah, my study notes are yeah. My mom posted my <laughs> my midterm study notes to her Facebook for all her friends. <laughs> Cause the other day she saw <laughs> me studying um, at the kitchen table and she kinda just like stood there and she was like, Oh, like, can I take a photo of this? <laughs> and I was like, Okay. Um, so yeah, if that gives you an idea. <laughs>
0: Okay. Is your mom's Facebook public?
1: I don't know. I, don't, I have no idea.
0: <laughs> could you send me a picture of your study notes? I'm really curious because I, I hear such high reviews from people.
1: Really? Yeah. I don't think my study notes are anything special. I could send you a photo of like my notes. They're they're mm-hmm. not like pretty or anything. Like I I have friends that do like bullet journaling and they do like art and stuff. My notes are nothing like that.
0: Oh no, but those are useless. They're just
1: doing yeah, something me, for the sake of I doing mean, something. For, for me, I think those take way too much time. Like, if I wanted to draw, I'd just draw. Like, I wouldn't do that with my notes. Mm. Um, yeah.
0: <laughs> OK, well, I, I'm very excited to see your study notes. Because yeah, I, I, I don't make notes. I just read the textbook like yeah. multiple times. And that's how I study. So I, I need to learn a better method. Um, okay. And by the way, you're such an elegant basketball player. By the way,
1: really? I, like, yeah, I always like try to imagine myself on the court, and I feel like I run very weird.
0: <laughs> no, um, I don't know. It, it's, it's you're like a rabbit when when you run. It's it's very very. S- um, soft but strong movements, you know? Oh.
1: In- okay, I'm glad. I'm retired now, but I'm glad to hear that.
0: <laughs> you're retired? Okay, retired. What, what a word to use. <laughs> <laughs> I was and, aged out. Um, do you think you're not going to play basketball ever again?
1: Oh, no, I th- I'm sure I'll play, like, if we ever get back on campus, I'm sure I'll, I'll play, like, intramurals and... I'm um, I'm happy to like go and play pickup with my friends, but okay, good
0: because Shannon's probably my favorite um uh, person to watch play basketball because basketball, <gasps> by the way, it's not a amazing. it's not a beautiful sport. It's a very ugly sport. Because you have all these girls, they're or, or boys, they're huge in some way, okay? And they're giants. And their, their arms are scratched up, their their face is red, and they look very angry, and-
1: You're running, you're doing wind sprints, up and down a court.
0: Everyone kind of like, smells a bit, oh, so I... it's not an aesthetic sport in any-
1: Yeah, uh, especially like, for girls. Way. Girls basketball is brutal, like, so, so painful.
0: <laughs> for you, because Shannon, okay, I saw you get hurt so many times. I remember this girl, like, dug her fingernail into your hand and scooped out, like, a chunk of your flesh. It was horrible.
1: (laughs) Yeah. um, Yeah, honestly, I, yeah, (laughs) basketball hurt a lot, but it was fun.
0: But you kept trucking through. You kept trucking through. Kept
1: trucking through.
0: Yeah. So... Yeah, so yeah, I I always enjoyed watching because because you were like a ballerina among all of these hooligans. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! And also, my mom really really likes you. My mom really she's she's obsessed with you.
1: That's probably, um, like the highest honor. Honestly,
0: <laughs> I I spent like like ten minutes complimenting you and just.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm like looking at our our notes and the time and i'm like "Hmm, this is just a gas shannon up
0: (laughs) no seriously um my mom said on the basketball team okay actually i shouldn't say that um but there's two people that she really 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 likes which is you and satari she calls you uh da s which means big s because you have s in in your name and it's satari little s s (laughs) That's so cute. And she also calls you a Dayar because your eyes are really big. Oh, interesting. <laughs> yeah. So um, when I told her I'm filming this podcast with you, she's like, ah, Dayar. <laughs> mm-hmm. So that's my very long uh, introduction of she's Shannon.
1: Yes. Um nice to meet you know.
0: And okay, so I guess we can transition now into the content. Mm-hmm. And
1: speaking of transitions.
0: <laughs> speaking of transitions. Yes. COVID affecting the transition from uh, of life stages really from high school to university which is also parallels this transition from adolescence into adulthood why don't you describe how has that affected you as a senior a former senior transitioning into
1: yeah well first off like this happened to me basically a year ago and it's so weird to see it like still be prevalent a year later (laughs) with you guys um yeah I think so Last year around this time was when everything shut down and it was so strange. Like everything just stopped and I think like it really actually hit me when they canceled our IP exams. Because anything up until that point, like everything else, it didn't really matter because I think there was still an end in sight. We still knew that we had to take those exams even if we had to go in hazmat suits that's what actually the english teacher told us <laughs> um, she's like there's no way they're canceling it even if they're canceling school ib doesn't cancel stuff like this so yeah when everything first shut down i was yeah it didn't really feel like anything you know because i still had an end goal i still had a purpose um but it got really real when it was like actually everything just stopped and they didn't know when we were going back to school, they didn't know when anything would open. Um, And I still remember when obviously when we were working on Sparkathon, we had a conversation about uh, this idea of transitioning and not really having a clear end to your high school career or your high school experience there's no like real celebration or like mark for the work that you've put in um and I remember when we were having that discussion it didn't feel like much to me um I even though I knew that we weren't going to have like whatever a grad um a ceremony anything like that it still didn't Like I'll be honest, I didn't really care. I think I was very socially, (laughs) I was very socially burnt out at that point in the year, and so I I didn't care as much as a lot of my friends did. Um, To me, I was like, okay, like let's just move on. I am now a university student, and I was happy to just move, uh, just like get along with it, you know. But I think it it kind of took a toll on me and it, like, later on for sure, because I started having to, I started thinking about all the ways that um, I didn't live up to my goals in high school later on in the year. So like once I was one or half a semester into university, I was thinking about like all the things that I should have done differently in my last year of high school or all the things that I could have done then that I can't do now, whether that was because of COVID or like my school, my courses. Um, Yeah, it was really weird. I think um, just still like living at home was a big part for me as well. And not not really seeing that clear end to when I would have graduated high school and Going into university, hmm.
0: what are some goals that you felt that you weren't able to achieve that you thought you um, should have during your high school career?
1: Mm, I don't know if they would have been uh, goals per se, but just like bigger milestones that I thought I would have like hit. Um, so obviously, I think a bigger, the biggest one for me was the fact that like, IB exams kind of just got cancelled and I don't think that would have been, like, a goal or a, a, a crazy achievement of any sort for me. Um, but I think having that, like, what used to be the static end goal or, like, at, at least end point be just all of a sudden taken away, um, it kind of actually left me feeling just purposeless almost, which sucks to say, but I mean, you prepare so long for it and you prepare so long to like graduate with your friends and at the end of the day, no matter how much like you are socially burnt out or you don't care, um, you come back in a couple of months and you wish that you did get to take photos with your friends in your grad caps and gowns and you wish that you got to suffer through the exams that you studied two years for just so like you have something to show for it um Mm. so yeah i think that was kind of like the main the main things that went through my head
0: (laughs) Hmm. i guess having those uh strings were holding you back is exactly why having this transition Ritual, uh, being the grad ceremony, the grad cruise, n- we had none of them, is important because they sort of um, physically cement this idea that this era of your life is over and you're able to shed that part of yourself and you're able to metamorphosize into mm-hmm. the next to you. And then perhaps that next you is able to reflect to the past you, and and you wouldn't have the same emotional attachments to the issues that you had um, during that stage, mm-hmm. which is why when um, I saw <laughs> I saw you guys, uh, you and um, someone else who uh, at, at school coincidentally that one day. I started crying. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um because well anyways, I needed to let the audience know so I'm not uh I'm I'm someone who's very uh, cautious about crying in public. <laughs> I, I rarely the last time I probably cried in public was I'm that time, but before then it was probably when I was a kid. I'm just very I don't like I don't like public yeah. pity. It's a weird thing. So and when I saw you guys, it's just this overwhelming emotion because um, you you see your growth reflected in people, uh, mm-hmm. other people, and and when I saw you guys, it's like oh my god, here you guys are, and here I am, <laughs> and that over suddenly my life flashed before my eyes, mm-hmm. and everything that has happened to this point from the last time we've met, which is last summer in person at least. Um, but it just all hit me at once. And I just thought, oh my god, just how much have you guys grown? Um, it was so profound to me. And yeah. I started crying and then two teachers walked by. They were so confused. <laughs> <laughs> they thought you guys they were told- bullying me. <laughs>
1: yeah, they said that we couldn't hug Christian. <laughs> and, it illegal. Oh,
0: yeah, uh, the other person we were... I, 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 well, I'm I'm filming. a po- Anson, Anson. <laughs> we shouldn't have
1: but yeah yeah hugged you.
0: yeah you looked you you <laughs> I were, I like
1: to hug you but clausen was standing right there oh <laughs> name drop? the teacher was standing right there <laughs> i don't
0: what? think anyone's going to send him like death threats because he didn't let you his his presence made you uncomfortable with hugging me i think it's yeah. okay mr clausen mr clausen he's he's a, he he's a, a great a man TikTok with me. he did tiktok with you
1: yeah, on the last year of school. The oh last year of school ever, actually. Um, before spring break last year, when we didn't know when anything was happening. I had wow. to go to TikTok for my rec class. Yeah. Dude, and we convinced him to what? be in a TikTok with me.
0: You know, TikTok. He, I, I love the man. He is... I don't have any classes with him because I take bio. Uh-huh. And I'm in another TOK class. I wish I, wish I was in his. But anyways... Um, we we vibe so well, you know. I feel like we could we could we could be a comedic stand up duo. Yeah.
1: Oh, um, I'd watch that for sure. Oh, you should have him on the podcast.
0: <laughs> yeah. I don't know what we would talk about though. But I don't know. I, I don't think he we're allowed to because he's a teacher and I'm a student. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and yeah, during during flex, which is basically our recess kind of <laughs> recess to study, but no one uses it to study. Yeah. Uh. I don't know. I ha- we we just we just had an improv, uh, improvised s- skit almost comedic skit for the whole oh. class. It was so I don't know because I was trying to convert twenty dollars into five dollar bills and he only had ten dollars. So we were trying to barter. I said, okay, why don't you give me your poop keychain? he had a keychain with poops on it, and I thought it was really (laughs) cute, so we went back and forth, it was so funny, at least to me, well, our audience thought it was funny too, it was very enjoyable, so I really like him, I I like people,
1: I was there for that, (laughs) yeah,
0: but you graduated, how dare you graduate, (laughs) I really like people who are able to improvise to any social situation and play along with uh, with any game I throw at them, which is why sometimes uh, I I just randomly, uh, actually I don't want to share this. It's a little bit personal. It's embarrassing. Never mind. Moving on.
1: <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. It's okay, Kirsten. We're safe. For, we're safe here. It's a safe space oh, for you. Okay.
0: No. Sometimes I just talk about um, like suddenly there'd be a dead silence, and then I talk about I don't know, like. Butt hair or something, oh, okay. and just just to see how the person reacts. Oh, and
1: okay. it's like a test.
0: Yeah, if if they if they sort of continue the banter, then I'm like, okay, I vibe with you. You're my type of person. Yeah. But if they just I don't know run away from me, then I'm like, okay, you're probably <laughs> I'm probably not your type of person too. <laughs> I <fair>.
1: Yeah. Sorry. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. Sorry. Okay. Oh, right uh transitions let's let's continue with the program
1: yeah
0: um another transition let's talk about the transition into independence into adulthood why don't you describe to the audience what that experience was like for you because you're 19 now right
1: i'll be 19 in 10 days in a, a little bit
0: oh my goodness happy early birthday
1: thank you thank you um it doesn't feel like much Yeah, that was another thing that I was thinking about. When you like, I guess with things like your birthday, um, the moment that like the clock strikes 12 or something, you don't feel different. Also like the same with New Year's, like you don't, um, I feel like having these like major milestone moments also don't just suddenly make you a different person. Um, But I think they're pretty, they're, they're important to, to make you feel like at least you're like taking a step forward, I guess. Um, In terms of like transitioning into independence, I don't know if I can speak much on that just because I'm still like in my childhood bedroom (laughs) doing like my courses online. Um,
0: And you have a giant rabbit beside you. Hey, when I said you were like a rabbit on the basketball court. I know, I
1: was pointing to it, but you weren't looking. Oh,
0: Oh, no, because yeah. I felt so embarrassed when I was saying all these compliments about I, I, was, uh, oh. I was so bashful. Yeah. I couldn't look at you.
1: Yeah. Rabbits are like my motif, my life motif. Yeah. Um, what,
0: what do they represent about you?
1: Good listener, <laughs> I guess. Big ears. I don't know. Just something about rabbits. I feel like I always like end up with a rabbit of some sort. I have a pet rabbit. <laughs> um... Hmm. Right. So back to independence. Sorry, we keep getting off track. Um, I guess like the most prominent like transition into independence that I that I've been able to experience in, in this past year was okay. So I guess like I'll give you a little bit of a background. Last June-ish, um, we had been locked down for like three months, and like we were just sick of it, and so. My family decided to go back to Taiwan because we always go back to Taiwan during the summer anyway. And la- I guess last year was supposed to be um, an anomaly. We were just gonna stay because it it was just stupid to travel. Um, but we had to like go back to see family and all that stuff. So we decided to go back and you know suffer, not even really suffer, but just like go through the quarantine process and everything. But on our like when we were supposed to come back. Um, I decided, I actually decided to stay by myself for a couple weeks more just because I thought that um, coming back here everything was still kind of locked down and things weren't going better and things in Taiwan was going great at that point in time Um, so I thought it just like made sense because all my courses were online and I could do my courses from Taiwan and um, hang out with my family that was still, that, that lived there, um, and I guess that was, like, the most physically independent that I had been for, like, all of last year, um, but in that, like, independence, I, I realized something, and my realization was that I left, or, like, I wanted to get out of this place and go, to, go back to Taiwan because I wasn't happy with myself here and I wasn't happy with like how things were. So I wanted to go somewhere else and I went somewhere else and I, I had a great time and I got to see everybody that I needed to see and stuff. But when I was by myself, I realized that I still wasn't happy there. Um, which like this is it's interesting because I think people always think about wanting to reinvent themselves somewhere else or at least like the idea of like starting fresh somewhere else and they think that being physically independent will bring them that but the truth is like if you're not happy where you are now you're not going to be happy with yourself anywhere else and if you feel like you have to reinvent yourself and like recreate yourself Um, or even just, like, restart somewhere new, you're not, it's not going to bring you the satisfaction that you think it will. So while I was there, all by myself, I had... (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) I like that. I did. I love that. Um... Sorry, keep going. I'm so sorry. No, that's amazing. Um... Yeah, so, like, while I was there by myself, I... Well, number one, I was kind of... I was low-key suffering because I had to do my lectures in a weird time because all my classes were scheduled in uh, Pacific time because I didn't plan on staying for longer in a different time zone. Um, but also, I wasn't... I, like, I didn't want to stay there anymore because I didn't like who I was there and I wanted to come back here. And so I came back um, just to make things easier and just cause like I had to eventually. And I was stuck in the same, like I was literally back to square one, back to like where I was in May and June. And I felt like, you know, just still in this place. Um, so yeah, I guess what I'm trying to say is like physical independence, it can either be like the coming of age moment that defines who you are for a little bit or it can just show you that you know like maybe what you're truly trying to grow away from isn't your physical environment but like your mental space
0: i completely agree with what you said in fact i've already experienced that in my life which is okay there's there's a revelation that i made about growth Very, very recently, just probably a few, probably a month ago, which is I always would tell myself that I have become a different person than uh, me in grade ten or or nine. Mm -hmm. But recently, I've realized that it's not that I've become a different person. It's just that I became more myself, as external pressures and the ghosts that haunt me. Uh, dissipated and I was able to cut the strings that held me back I became more myself and the qualities that were already there became more pronounced so whenever I I when I told myself I was a different person I would actively reject anything that reminded me of the past and you can describe this experience as cringe for instance when people are um, watching freshmen high school freshmen yelling in the halls, they'd cringe, why? Maybe because it reminds them of a part of themselves that they try to repress mm-hmm. and they hate about themselves. But now when I think about the past, I don't cringe anymore because I think I've come to terms with who I was because I recognize to that extent, to some extent, it's still who I am. Mm-hmm. So I, this period of um, this weird pandemic um, has allowed me to do many, like t- to do deep reflection and to come to terms with who I am and all of the uh, misdeeds or all of the stupid, stupid, stupid things I've done in the past and all the failures um, uh, that I had. So I want this one really funny example of how I literally tr- somewhat transition into a new person to forget about the past is do you know my legal name is Isabel?
1: Really, I did not know that.
0: Yeah, um, I recently um, decided to go back to my legal name. I, actually, let me tell you about how that came to be. You know my personality, okay? I'm a very guising person, a very, yes. <sighs> I'm very much someone who's obsessed with individuality, obsessed mm-hmm. with defining my own path. So. In grade eight, I thought, I don't like who I was. I want to shed who I was. And I thought, my name is too feminine. I don't like it. So what do I do? Me being me, I change it.
1: <laughs> wow.
0: And I I just stuck with it. And I I kind of regretted it all throughout these years, but it was too embarrassing to, you know, switch back because it's a very weird process um and anyways so and now because i've come to terms with who i am i i'm sick of this facade that i've put up all these years and i am back to who i was and i'm more than be i'm more than happy to be who i truly am Isabel. It- yeah but I I want everyone to call me Belle. It's my nickname. My family calls me Belle. My family friends call me Belle. I think it's such a cool nickname.
1: Wow. Oh my gosh. Should I call you Belle now too? Like. Okay. Can you transition into doing that? Because I'm going to start.
0: I'm I in, in that in officially in university. Um, but it's too much of a hassle to transition now during high school. To be mm-hmm. honest, it'd probably be hard to stay in with contact with people from my, from people that I know from high school now so
1: um absolutely I think it might take me a little bit but definitely I will make a conscious a conscious effort to do that that is actually very that's so cool
0: yeah so this parallels to your experience Mm -hmm. um mine was definitely mental Oh, and yours was uh, like we we done we try to grapple that mental change through different means. I did it through name change. You tried it through geographical relocation.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's. So I mean, cool. it didn't work too well for me.
0: Mm, and you realize that you are still you, and you still have to grapple with being mm-hmm. you
1: yeah you can't run away from who you are i guess yeah um but that's another thing that you were talking about just like being easy on the past you right showing showing your younger self empathy and not tearing her down (laughs) like or him
0: or whatever you identify as because there's too many now (laughs)
1: um yeah not tearing yourself down not tearing your younger self down because I think it's really easy for us to do that. I feel like I do that a lot too. You know how you just like lay in bed and you think about all the different stuff that you could have said or the different ways you could have done things. Um, but yeah, I mean those those little minute interactions are what got you here today. So
0: yeah, I always tell people it is as precious as it is cringy, and. I don't cringe anymore when I think of the things that I did in the past. I just... I think how cute, you know? How foolish, how silly, how entertaining!
1: How could I?
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's like uh, watching a movie, but it's an internal movie. An internal theater. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so... So... Now that we've talked about our past selves, why don't we talk about our future selves?
1: Yeah, please. Yeah. Will you be joining me in my future? (laughs) Oh,
0: Shannon! Yes, I'd love to. (laughs) And I, so we are both going into, uh, well, you are already in business and computer science. I'm looking into going into the same field. So why don't you tell us about how, okay. Yeah, this this is a good transition into my big question: is is what the heck what the heck are you, model, basketball player, business, and comp site, How do you reconcile all those interests? What can you describe the pathway that you took in life? Why oh, you made right decisions right. that you did, and uh, why it's leading to the destination that it is? And what is that destination?
1: Hmm. Interesting. Such a loaded question. <laughs> um okay well uh (laughs) let me think about this it's a long story honestly so when i was little when i was like way way little before my family like immigrated to canada i had really really bad asthma oh seriously yeah i had terrible asthma um like she can't breathe I literally couldn't breathe. The type of asthma where in the middle of the night, my mom would literally take her hand and put it under my nose just to make sure that I wasn't, like I was still breathing. Um, and my dad would draw me these like, this like literal scalding hot baths, just to try to like make me flush out the the coldness. You know how like in in Asia, there's like hot. oh of- the cold yeah, yeah. spirit in you um, my dad also like had really bad asthma as a kid so it's just like genetic um, i was also like allergic to everything um oranges shellfish like half of the fruits that you could eat i was aller- i was allergic to like cockroaches dust mites, everything. <laughs> like everything in asia basically um and it was bad Um, So I had lungs that basically sucked at doing their job and my mom tried to like put me in swimming to force me to learn how to breathe like Mm -hmm. that was how that was the extent of it and um yeah and at the end of the day it was like the environment um the air quality was just really bad it was so hot and humid and I had really bad like skin issues as well like I had really bad eczema it was just terrible um so then when we have immigrated to canada everything just went away like magically healed my mom brought over a bunch of like medication that i had but we never touched it i had like the puffers or the like whatever see i don't even know what they're called because i didn't even need them once i once we like lived here
0: what is it the air quality
1: yeah we think it's like just the air quality um i guess like i grew out of a lot of my food allergies but in terms of like asthma we're pretty sure it's just air quality and i don't know like temperature um but yeah it was so it was so strange but after like suffering through that as a child um it yeah i think i wanted to be somebody different as well. And I I think I was too young to uh, formulate the idea that I was trying to prove to myself that I could do it. But once the opportunity presented itself in like elementary school, when they started basically forming basketball and volleyball teams, I wanted to, I, I genuinely wanted to play sports because I couldn't, I couldn't use, I didn't used to be able to do that. Like I couldn't run. So yeah, and then I played basketball and volleyball in elementary school, just like when everybody would get equal playing time and like have fun and the teams were like 25 kids, but that was super fun. And then I just like, I had friends that also played. So it was like this whole thing of just like me being able to hang out with my friends and play sports. And then, for some reason, I realized that I could run, and I think <laughs> I'm I'm pretty competitive, but I don't I, I don't think I was born competitive. I think um, my mom kind of raised me to be competitive. Um, it probably came with like a lot of like the immigrant survival. Uh, it did, yeah, yeah. But I think um, just because I was so physically and honestly, mentally, emotionally, everything, I was very weak as a child. Like I used to cry over everything as well. So my mom, uh, my mom's like very stubborn and she's like outgoing and just like super intelligent. So she couldn't stand like, like she couldn't handle that. And she couldn't handle like having to like take me to the hospital three times a week. and just it was a lot for her and so when we got here and everything just like magically <laughs> healed itself um she started training me and she kind of had to because she raised my brother and I here um obviously like my dad was helping us out but like my dad would come and we'd go and see we'd go back home and see family but for the majority of the year it was like her and the two of us in Canada and so we all had to help and we all had to pitch in and we all had to call people on the phone and act like we were her like stuff like that we had to help her out and so I was born weak but I was raised to be strong and so that kind of showed itself when we when I got the when I got the opportunity to play in competitive team sports and so that was kind of how I got into basketball and volleyball and just like being in the right schools for that
0: right i forgot about volleyball she's a great volleyball player too i'd watch her sometimes i'm I'm not very (laughs) interested in
1: volleyball yeah volleyball was the other big thing that i did yeah um and then i guess like so i played all throughout all throughout middle school and high school i played um outside of school as well and um, I was lucky enough to be in the right schools and with with the right people that I was supported in my athletic endeavors mm. <laughs> for those couple of years. Um, but yeah, and I think I wanted to, so later on in high school I began wanting to do a bunch of stuff. And my parents' backgrounds are in business, so I kind of like although. I was, I wanted to dip my toes into STEM. I think more business opportunities presented itself at our school particularly and just like within my friend group. So um, yeah, I got more involved with like business and humanities oriented extracurriculars. And then yeah, um, I'm trying to think like how it all kind of, contributed to what i chose but i guess at the end of the day like because i wanted to do everything i also didn't want to have to only choose one discipline to study in university and business always came kind of naturally to me just because like my family's background is in business and i feel like business is just universal universally applicable um ubc had this really nice program where it's a combined major in business and computer science. And I never actually like, I never had a, a moment where I was exposed to anything with computer science. And I was like, oh yes, like I want to do comp sci. But seeing that program and just like kind of connecting the dots in my head and recognizing that I would be able to leverage Like my business knowledge and whatever technical skills I acquire through the STEM field and I'd be like I would be able to execute what I want to do in my head like if I had an idea for a project I would know enough and I would be able to do it all by myself Um, I think that was kind of what just drew me in about the program Um, computer science is so leverageable it's so applicable mm. um and so is business so it's kind of how like yeah. everything came together i don't know if that <laughs> i don't yeah. know if i can follow that
0: yeah i mean computer science is basically i mean what what is it like javascript python it's all the language of the future really
1: mm-hmm. yeah it's like software data mm. um AI, augmented vision or augmented virtual reality, everything.
0: Yeah and Jesus I mean this kind of oh what okay before I move on what about modeling? How does that tie into this narrative of oh Shannon Cow's life?
1: Modeling that is um, So the other day I found out I, I'm a Leo rising <laughs> if that <laughs> if that helps you out. No. no, I
0: know nothing about astrology. And for
1: anyone that knows, um, no, I think so. I I was pretty tall as a kid. I, I don't I don't think I'm that tall now. I'm pretty average now, but I was always like tall and just like lanky and a little bit awkward. <laughs> um, yeah, and <laughs> I think when you were little, oh, and I I have big eyes, which is. <laughs> Now that I'm thinking about it kind of weird to say, but like ever since I was little, like people tell you stuff and they're like, oh my gosh, you are so this and that and whenever like we'd go out in public like people would look at my brother and I'd be like, oh my gosh these kids have like huge eyes that just like look up at you um, and then I grew up and I was like tall and lanky for a bit and so people would obviously like tell you, oh oh my gosh, you should do this, you should do that. you should model you should act. Um, and I think my mom got the idea, um, when I was in, I think, like, middle school-ish. We went back to Taiwan for a summer, and they have these, I guess, like, competitions. They're almost, like, pageant-like, but it's not really pageantry. It's, uh, it's kind of, like... Um, think of an open call casting for, like, talent agencies that hold annual, like, summer competitions where they're looking for, like, the next,
0: the next, the me- next, the thing. next top,
1: yeah, the next yeah. top model, the next whatever, and, um, the year that we went back, they had one for, kind of, like, uh, in Chinese they called it, like 美少女, mm. you know, so, like, young girls. So it wasn't, like, top, like, modeling. It was just, like, young girls, like, commercial platform shoots, whatever. Um, And my mom thought that it was going to be, like, a fun summer activity for me. We didn't have phones or anything. She was just like, oh, it would be something for you to do. And so I went. Um, I actually made it to, like, the semi-final round or something, um, which was pretty interesting. I hated it. (laughs) Honestly, I didn't love it. Um, But yeah, so we came back and I think my mom, she used to work in PR as well. So she saw like a lot of um, stuff in that industry, like in in terms of like entertainment and fashion. Um, And she, it was like sort of, it was a little bit of a projection. I'm pretty sure of her own, like, oh my gosh, like my kid could do this if she wanted to but I never really like thought much of it and then we talked to some people that we were neighbors with and they were pretty deep into like the acting world the, the Hollywood scene and they suggested that like maybe you tried modeling like maybe you did try acting and I'm a terrible actor I I'm, <laughs> I'm so bad at, act- at acting but My mom really thought that acting would be cool, just like, and cool and fun, you know? Like when you're young, you can kind of just like go and have fun and make some money. And I was like, I'm so bad at acting, like I wouldn't be able to do it. And so the compromise, not the compromise, just like the idea was that like you start with modeling. So you kind of just go and try things out. So I did, um, I actually like sent in my own photos when I first started and I got signed to an agency which was super cool but about like a year later I stopped um, doing that I just thought that I was going into my senior year year of high school and I didn't love like the work that I was doing so to me I was like okay like I'm done with this I had my fun Um, I worked kind of around the city and it was nice but that was kind of it I was going to call it and then I got scouted through Instagram um, with another agency that was also in Vancouver, and at the time it was ran by two young younger women, and their philosophy was amazing. Um, so I met with them, and I thought I would, I was like, okay, yeah, sure, I guess. I, I've done this for a bit, and I guess I could... Continue for some, for like just continue with it. I guess just to see where it goes. Um, keeping in mind for myself that like school was always first, and this was just like a side gig. It is something like on the something for me to do on the weekends. So yeah, that's and I'm still in it, kind of. And that's kind of how that came to be.
0: Hmm. So you just said yes to whatever opportunity came your way and saw where it took you?
1: Yeah. Yeah, basically. <laughs> hmm. It's weird because I think... Yeah, I I said yes to a lot of the stuff that came my way, but I eventually I also learned when I had to say no. So when I terminated my first contract, that was... Um, that was like me putting my foot down for the stu- like the the work that I had done. I was like, okay, I I don't think I'm proud of the stuff that I'm doing here, so I need to be able to. That was like a big learning opportunity for me too, um, just like knowing when to call it and knowing, yeah,
0: hmm. Hmm. saying no. I mean, you need a. Um, build up. You need to build up your experiences and uh, your accolades and your character before you reach a point where you can learn how to say no. Because for me, um, I've always been an incredibly disagreeable person. Like I'm. I took a Big Five personality test. I'm like ninety something percent. I think I'm ninety. 90- Fourth percentile, which means I'm more disagreeable than ninety-four percent of the Earth's population. <laughs> and and um, so I've always I've always been very okay with saying no to things before I even start, uh, and that shut a lot of doors for me. Mm-hmm. Um, where I'd say no prematurely, uh, and and uh, and then regret it later. Mm-hmm. So it's like. You, you need to find a balance between those two
1: um,
0: methods of approaching life's opportunities.
1: Yeah, I think it also kind of depends on the opportunity. For myself, I, I feel like I've always been more agreeable with things that are with things that are more like traditionally what would traditionally put you on the path to, this idea of success so I was more agreeable to things that were that had to do with school that had to do with extracurriculars that had to do with uh jobs although I would say like with modeling that that one was just kind of like me indulging in um some twisted like little girl fantasy but but then like as I got more into it um it made me realize that yeah, I don't, know. I, I don't know if I can say that about modeling though, because I also learned a lot about, about it and about the industry. So, yeah, I think I'm more, I'm definitely very agreeable with things that, with things that are more pertaining to school and work, um, and things that would put me on this path to becoming like the dream person that I have in my head but also I find myself neglecting other parts of my life where I'm way more disagreeable (laughs) in terms of like social and just like interpersonal stuff Um, yeah and I guess that's just something that that I also have to balance out
0: do you think your um motivation towards pursuing a more traditional path comes from your heritage being a Chinese of Taiwanese individual very let's not get into the political that
1: stuff. is very yeah it's very <laughs> sensitive right now um yeah okay so I used to think this actually I used to just automatically assume that every Asian family had this I I like this ideal of like a child and they just had like this this image and a dream for what their kids are going to be like and every family had the same idea so it was like a cultural thing um and i i always saw it as a competition almost with myself like god i i wonder if i can do one more thing that that um, Yeah, like, I wonder if I could tack on one more identity onto my, like, multi-hyphen, whatever. Like, I wonder if I can do that even though I am doing all of these things already. I wonder if I can go and play another sport. I wonder if I can go and take it, like, say yes to another job. Um, because in my head, I thought that if I collected all of these great things that I could possibly ever do then nobody would ever have an opinion about me like I would always be successful in the eyes of my culture mm. um, but then I realized that it's not always a cultural thing like other people people of like other races can also have the same ideals but then eight a- other Asian people can also have different ideals of the perfect child. You know, like there is no perfect child and there's no like, there's no end goal for everybody. But I like in my head for the longest time, especially when I was in like high school, like early high school, I just wanted to do everything. And number one, I genuinely wanted to do everything like I wanted to learn everything and I wanted to like I was intrigued about everything but in the back of my head I always thought oh I wonder if I could do that one more thing so then I I can have that like one more shot at like making my parents proud or like I would have that one more accomplishment or like sense of identity
0: were there any intrinsic motivations for what you did or
1: Intrinsic motivations. Mm. A lot of what I, a lot of what I did started off as genuine um, opportunities for myself to learn. I, I loved just like hands-on experience. I loved like getting out in the world. I loved transiting downtown and going to these like weird, going to these like conferences. I loved, yeah. I, I genuinely wanted to learn beyond what the classroom could teach me but I think um, to a certain extent once you start once you start getting rewarded extrinsically you something shifts in your head and you begin to think about all the ways that you can I guess like the easy way to say is like you could potentially like, monetize it maybe not even like monetize in terms of money but just like make it a value to yourself um that would be like presented to other people like how no matter like how much you intrinsically love something eventually like once you start getting that external reward for it you think of all the ways that you can possibly cater to more extrinsic reward, if that makes sense. Hmm.
0: Yeah, totally. I'm, I'm having the same experience with the podcast. Mm-hmm. It started off as, um, and basically everything that I did in my life, it started off as a genuine, deep yearning f- for bettering myself and exploring this passion, nurturing this little garden. With human-centered design too, um, it started off as a very intimate process of personal learning, which evolved to grow an audience. And uh, the moment that there was an audience, I-, I used this example before, it's like, I have a garden, now there's- now there's- uh, the tourists coming in, their dogs are shitting on my like yard lawn they're like they're like biting my flowers and things like that they're they're ruining the whole place i don't it's it's violating something that was so precious to me and i think that we are social creatures and we have to balance our individual preferences and the and the betterment of the collective to some extent we can't avoid it avoid it avoid it it's built into our biology we we um there's something pushing us to want to be of service to other people
1: Mm -hmm. yeah and you you care when other like you care about how others perceive you right and you care about your achievements maybe eventually not even to the point where like you you don't care about your achievements intrinsically as like oh i did this you care about how that's gonna look for other people so yeah i think that was a hard that was a hard thing for me to balance um eventually i think okay so in my senior year of high school i was kind of like doing the most in everything that I was involved in, and especially in like the first half of my senior year, before everything shut down, mm. um, I actually, I I actually was struggling a lot, because it, it's crazy to think about that now. But I like my days looked crazy. I would go to morning practices, and then go to class for the whole day and then in the afternoon I either had a practice or a game. So if on game days I would have like a pre-game practice um, or if I just had like a practice after school I'd have a practice and then at night I would either be going to a, a game obviously or I would be refereeing in a basketball league, in like a local, like house basketball league, and then I would come back home, have dinner at like 8 or 9, and then take a shower, whatever, and then I would be studying. And so the, that was my day, and um, I didn't think anything of it. In the moment, I was like, oh, I just need to, I need to do this, and I knew that my days, on paper it looked crazy but i was like okay i can break this down into chunks but then anytime i got a moment to breathe um, i like all i could think about was why i was doing it and it was weird because also like my all like my weeks also all looked different because some weeks i would have work like i would have a job a gig where i would have to go in for a shoot during the day so I would miss half day, of, like half a day of school and then come back to go to a practice or go to a game. And then it, it was crazy. And I still remember like my senior night for basketball, like the basketball senior girls night, my last ever home game. I didn't tell anybody this, but I'd, I had missed school all day because I had to work downtown and I rushed back, and I was almost late for my senior, senior night. I literally ran on the court as, like, people were just, like, hitting the buzzer and the game was about to start. But after that, I had, like, a day of work. I went to my senior night. It went late, whatever. I went home. I had to catch up on what I was doing. So, all the stuff I was doing, anytime I got a second to breathe, all I could think about was like, why? Why was I doing that? Why was I like running to practice? Because I didn't feel intrinsically motivated by what I was doing anymore. It felt like I had, for for a bit, it felt like I had teams that depended on me more than I wanted to play. So. That was was also hard because all I could think about was like, how many people were counting on me to be at this place at this time. And the reward that I would get from it was the points on a scoreboard or, um, I don't know, like my face on some e-commerce website but who was I actually doing that for? Because at the end of the day, I felt like that was just that. Like it didn't feel like anything for me internally anymore. And so, and then I I would feel bad about thinking that because my life was going so well. And I still remember like telling my mom this, I was booking good jobs and I was playing in all of my games and I was still working as a part-time referee I was getting booked anytime like I I had a chance to be booked I was my grades were fine for some reason mm-hmm. everything was working out but I felt so trapped in like my own body and I felt it was so strange and obviously like coming from a place of privilege like there's no way that like this all could be here without um just like my mom and her like hard work. So I felt so bad thinking that I I wasn't happy and I wasn't like motivated in what I wanted to do. So yeah, I think regardless of anything that you, that you are doing for yourself, you will reach a point eventually at least where you feel like you are doing it for somebody else. So, you just yeah you have to you have to really reconsider and think about why you're doing things at any point point. and it's totally okay to stop and just say like maybe i was doing this for myself before but i'm not anymore so this is where i'm gonna call it the whole time obviously my parents were like you can say no at any time and i knew i could say no at any time i knew i could just stop but but you're like, yeah, socially, I had, it felt like I had a social obligation to continue. It was like, I have been playing this sport for so long. Why would I just stop now? And um, the stuff that like, I, I obviously I think all the coaches meant well, and obviously like everybody always wants the best for you, but obviously, okay, no. That's not always the case for everyone. But at the the time for me, everybody wanted the best for me, truly. Um, But the stuff, the things that they would say, it yeah, it did trap me. Almost. They would, with like, I think they expected, they expected me to just be this person. And I think it's hard because once you build an identity based off of um whatever you're involved in once you have like that identity people have expectations for you and once those expectations are in place you feel like you always have to live up to something Hmm.
0: jesus Christ, that's such a that's such a modern that's that's a problem that so many people are facing now but um like no one really has The balls to talk about it because they feel like i don't want to admit the heart the internal conflict going within me um going on in my head because it's almost they feel as though it's an admittance of their own incompetence but it's not well this is a conversation that i think people need to have which is society is expecting more and more from young people we're not just expected to be good students um but also good people and good contributors to society and because of it we're diverting less resources to each of those facets of our lives and why is nobody talking about this so thank you for bringing this up i mean yeah hey to to what extent have you experienced this like like after you've gone through all of this or maybe in between when you have periods of break you ask yourself to what extent was all of this worth it
1: <laughs> yeah, I think, especially with my involvement in it within the school, within the high school, high school h- high school sports was just gonna stay in high school, and like high school rec leadership was just gonna stay in high school rec leadership. Um. So I think, like, I always knew that that was just kind of where it would be, but in the moment a hundred percent, like when I was running around to all those places, when I was like volunteering to score keep after school, I forgot about that, but I was, I would think a lot about, um, like if it was really actually worth it, like what was it doing for me? I think eventually I was able to accept that not everything was going to be transactional in that sense. The stuff that I did in high school may not make my resume look better in university, but being involved in the high school, just like being involved in high school for the school was a good way that I forced myself to live in the moment of a high schooler. Because if I had it my way and if I tried to analyze everything and try to think about the ways that it would be worth it for me in the future, I would I would not have let myself continue to play on those like high school teams because those weren't doing anything for me after high school, technically. But they taught me different things and it, it taught me a lot of like conflict management leadership Um, it taught me how to like be a part of a team and so although in the moment i felt like i had a social obligation and a bunch of expectations to live up to this program the actual thing the actual sport still gave me a lot and so I felt like I couldn't give up on it in that sense Hmm. because it was still it was still a value to me
0: like you need to go through the experience of pushing yourself to the edge until you learn the lesson of uh how to balance out your life it's Mm -hmm. almost inevitable we learn through experience and uh you know that Chinese philosopher Lao Tzu he said um, you do not have the, like, you are not entitled to even reflect on what you're doing until you, like, overcome it, mm-hmm. something along the lines of that, or like, it's, I mean, it's, it's written in Chinese, and <laughs> I don't know how to, um, so, you have to go through the hardship until you have even the right to think about whether or not it was worth it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, 100%. Mm-hmm. Um, it yeah. is because
0: we put in the work. It is because we worked ourselves till to the bone throughout high school that we can look back and say, Jesus Christ.
1: <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, on a, on a f- more, I guess, like prevalent, um, relatable <laughs> uh, level, you know how like... The counselors always bring in a panel of IB students to ask them if IB was worth it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's like that idea where obviously, the people studying for their IB exams are never gonna think it was worth it because they're studying for the exams. But after you get past that and you're actually onto the next stage of your life, you see how it has shaped you. Which ties back into not being so difficult on your younger self.
0: Mm, Yeah. I have a hypothesis of like why people are doing trying to have so many hyphenates in their title. You know, hyphenate. Oh, Jesus Christ. I forgot (laughs) how to speak English. Whatever. I forgot. I don't know how. I forgot how to pronounce it. I'm just going to move on. Um, I feel ultimately uh, we are all we're in a weird stage in human civilization where we abdicated traditional systems and values from like orthodox religions or, or culture. You know, uh, a lot of immigrant, uh, like first generation immigrant children were rejecting the uh, cultural uh, imp- impositions placed on us by our heritage. And we've decided that we want to decide everything for ourselves. There's a search for meaning. There's a search for identity. And we are in uncertain unknown territory and everything is up to us. So we really, we have to decide everything for ourselves and it's so damn tiring. Mm -hmm. Individualism is so damn tiring. You're responsible for everything. Who the hell wants to be responsible for everything? So there's this romantic uh, depiction of Uh, individualism and being able to make your own decisions and have them respected by uh, society but in the end we're all just searching for meaning and identity and uh, I think people are starting to realize hey why can't we just have it predetermined for us it's much easier that way Mm-hmm. At least that's what I've been intellectually grappling with for the past while.
1: Yeah, we we love the idea of individualism. Like, <laughs> I think it's a it's probably a more Euro Eurocentric North American perspective on on life and just how like you can do things for yourself like it's gonna be hard but you are responsible for yourself
0: Hmm. collectivism versus individualism
1: yeah i'm trying to it's like the million dollar question
0: (laughs) yeah because What i was talking about with my friend on the other podcast although it was (laughs) when we recorded it it was like midnight so we were just (laughs) stupid um what i was trying to articulate was that there really is no such thing as your decision because your decision is incredibly biased anyways and um your (sighs) like for for your relationships your your interpersonal how you conduct yourself socially interpersonally is uh motivated is is sort of influenced by all these unconscious uh forces you know like your your relationship with your parents when you were younger creates this unconscious like complex in you that affects the way that you interact with people you know like Daddy issues, for instance, yeah. um, and uh, and for and it, you never know anything about anything. Really, you have a very shallow understanding of so many different things. Your uh, your, your decisions are very biased. There's really isn't isn't so. It's just biological impulses, really, um, of, that bind you to whatever decision you make. While with collectivism, it's social expectations that chain you in on a marriage a job a path of life what's the difference in the end um, you don't really have a real choice
1: i guess like in individualism you think you have a choice Mm. you're like you're under the influence of a bunch of things but you feel like you're making a choice
0: well the the veil falls eventually you know you you realize this choice isn't necessarily really yours. So individualism just leads to collectivism but packaged differently.
1: Yeah, I guess. I mean, collectivism? To me, I feel like it's more it's more systematic in that you you have a couple of like widespread core beliefs right and right. a couple of things that you like culturally is the norm and individualism you don't really you don't really get to see what like the product of all of the implicit biases or whatever you have um, you don't really you don't really get to see that at all until you have built a life or you have made a decision or whatever Um, and so it's probably chaotic (laughs) Mm.
0: well I think humans are the meaning of life is just to continually struggle in search of a meaning for life that's the type of beings we are Mm
1: -hmm. Mm. yeah I mean I feel like online now a lot of people like to remind us about um how we are just on a speck of dust oh i hate that
0: i hate that i hate that i hate that nihilism can go like like leave okay because (laughs) i no, i was a nihilist uh in grade 9 and 10 and i know how dangerously how dangerous the psychological implications of nihilism are when you truly truly believe when you when the idea that you're just a speck of dust becomes ingrained into your actions it is truly dangerous i mean obviously i didn't hurt anyone okay i but i didn't get to that extent but you see this doc this nihilistic doctrine being preached by uh uh, you know, it's in the diary of um, who, who the the, um, the Columbine school shooters, one of them, the one who's a bit more literate than the other, and uh, he in his diary he would write about how um, humans are just like a cancer, cancer to the earth. We should just kill them all and just leave the planet to the animals or whatever. They're better than us,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and that's when you see nihilism being, uh, just. The, the tenets of nihilism being grounded into r- real actions—it's—it's it's a murderous ideology. Mm-hmm. Anyone who subscribes to it, get away from me immediately! I will run the other direction.
1: Well, yeah. All-
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know. No, actually, I don't run. I'll—I'll beat you up right there. I'll punch you in the gut.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think it's—it's it's dehumanizing because you just forget that like you just like oversimplify things. It's just like you forget the complexities of people, but um. Mm.
0: yeah, I mean, I guess in life you just have to fake, you just have to have faith in the idea that there is a purpose to you being here. It has to be an irrational faith. And otherwise, how are you gonna live?